This is a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on FUBAR Radio. Ah! And welcome to... Are we even playing the iTent? What are we doing? Yes, it's playing. It is played, I think. The I, uh, right, the iTent is on. And it'll probably finish by now. Probably. Yeah. So, welcome to... Five Star Family Fun Size Fan Club. <laughs> I almost always get to the end and then um, uh, I mess it up somewhere. So you so, say Five Star Family Fun Size Fan Club? Yeah, but it should be Family Size Fan Club. Should be. But I don't value. Do you know what? I haven't got to where I am today by sticking to the details. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Um, so my name is Nick Helm. And my name is Nathaniel McCarth. And you're listening to uh, Fan Club. Uh, or Nick. N- Nick and... Nathaniel Metcalf's Fan Club. Yeah. Uh, and we are broadcasting from Camp Covid. Um, <laughs> so, uh, We're in our I'm, respective houses. I'm in my spare room. I've uh, changed things around. Yeah, I've, you have. It looks I've different. Fine. I've finally done what I've been putting off for about a year and I've finally sort of started getting my uh, spare room uh, uh, spare room office in order. I guess um, this is an office. I guess it's not really a spare room. It hasn't got a bed in it. It's a laundry room, that. Yeah, yeah, it's got the dryer in it and stuff. We can see exactly what it is. <laughs> There's no point in saying that it's an office. Mine it's is definitely an office. Like an executive office. Mine is like an executive office, yeah? But yours is definitely... A laundry room. (laughs) Whereas my flat, this is the only room that hasn't got laundry in it in my flat. (laughs) It's just everywhere. Have you noticed that, um, first rule of fan club, tell your friends about fan club. Second rule. Second rule of fan club. Just please, just fucking tell your friends. Tell your friends. If not now, when the nation needs to be uplifted. When, when, what are you waiting for? What are you bloody waiting for? Have you noticed, Matt, that when you are just spending all this time indoors, your life just becomes a constant cycle of cleaning things and then getting them dirty again? Whether it be plates, laundry, your cock, just, it's an endless cycle. You just say, oh, bloody hell, that's all I need, cleaning this up again. Every five minutes, it seems, you just need to get, get something clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be fair, it's generally uh, not unrelated uh, in terms of <laughs> genitalia and clothing uh, and plates, unfortunately. But it's whatever is within uh, spitting distance. So anyway, I think <laughs> a, a... <laughs> oh, it's like Christmas, but on your own. But I guess there is a temptation to not do that, which which is you should do that. I think there's a temptation not to get up and do all your washing. Oh, right. Getting changed sure. all the time. Changing meant... all my clothes, washing my clothes, washing my sheets. Everything, yeah. the cycle is happening quite swiftly. I quite like that. It feels like I get up and get dressed because I don't want to sit about and feel like I'm not, I'm just sort of sat around in my pants all day. So I want to yeah. get dressed and get up. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're pretty good at um, giving yourself a routine. And, yeah. And do it. But then you've got, like a real job in the real world haven't you yeah but this is this is exactly why i think because it gives me this is almost like letting me off the hook but i don't want it to no i know but then that 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 gets you in training doesn't it yeah 
you know whereas if i've got like a gig in the evening i actually don't have to get up yeah <laughs> i can i can get up at you know six seven o'clock at night and uh and still go to work and you know do a full you know 20 minutes days yeah, yeah, yeah. um where so that gets you in sort of like a very very bad sort of like um mental uh cycle whereas you know you have like the rigidity of like a schedule that you've got to sort of like go by and that must be quite good for keeping your brain in order while you're doing getting up it's not so good like i thought it'd be better for me actually getting other work done which i'm not doing very well yeah but that, but that's the thing right every time i'm just sort of like i sit down to get any work done i just look at my flat and it's an absolute shithole <laughs> and i'm just like i can't and the thing is um when you have the option of you know like i would go to the soho theater and do some writing in the soho theater in the day i could do you know on a normal day because you look around your flat and you go, well, I need to tidy it and I can't work under these conditions. And, you know, if you can leave your flat, you can just sort of like close the door and all of that and just and not have to look at it. But when you're surrounded by it, you know, I mean, I've tidied up my, I've tidied up this room. Yeah. But that means I've basically transferred all of the shit into every other room. I filtered it through. So now this room is from what you can see on this screen this room looks vaguely presentable. It's not. I mean, it's just, I've, you saw me just shift all the shit off my sofa. And now I've barricaded myself into the room. I can't get out. I'm going to have to move it all back again at the end of this, right? But the thing is, it's basically like a really shit, slow, just endless game of Tetris. Where, or it's not even, it's that puzzle game. It's a puzzle like, game, that's exactly it. Where you're, you're sliding stuff all the way around your flat and then you kind of like, go, oh God, I've got nowhere to sit in my living room now. So you just got to pick it all up, put it in the spare room. Um, it's a fucking, I don't know, don't know about you guys, but it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm, uh, uh, I'm all right. How are you doing? You all right? I'm all right. I'm not bad today, actually. Not bad. Uh, are we Helm. mentioning Nick Helm? I was going to say Nick Helm. What have you been a fan of during your isolation period? I'll tell you what I've not been a fan of. Go on. Um, I watched uh, the Tom and Jerry movie the other day. I wanted to, I wanted to uh, get some sort of, do you know, you know when you watch like old cartoons and, um, uh, and it's sort of comforting, you know? Yeah. Charming. Yeah. And it's sort of like that sort of thing that you can sort of like just switch on. Especially, you know, it's the sort of thing that you can have something on in the background while, you, while you're working on getting on with stuff. And they're sort of like these five minute and so And so I downloaded, now that I've got my TV, I just downloaded a load of Tom and Jerry stuff. And the Tom and Jerry movie came out. I'd heard it wasn't very good. What um, year is this from? It's quite modern, right? It's the 90s. It came out, ah, it must have been coming out around the same time as um, Old, good, uh, Old Dogs Go to Heaven. Is it called that? Old Dogs Go to Heaven? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like early 90s. Yeah. Uh, hang on, Tom and Jerry movie. Right, um, that came out in 1992, right? Right. So yeah, it's around the same time as... Don Bluth's All Dogs yeah. Go to Heaven. Uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven, American Tale, Five Goes West. And, yeah. um, which wasn't Don Bluth, did you know that? No. Uh, Don Bluth did the first one, fell out with Steven Spielberg, and then Steven Spielberg did the second one. And, uh, yeah. Huh? Oh. Um, 
So around about that, I think I didn't. When Jurassic Park came out, everyone went dinosaur crazy. No, We're Back a Dinosaur's Tale came out in 1993, when everyone was going dinosaur crazy. But The Land Before Time, I'm pretty sure I went to see that when my sister went to see Batman. So that must have been 1989. Yeah, I'd say it was about then, 1990-ish. Um, do you know how many fucking sequels that film's got? Yeah, I remember seeing that on video. There was like um, 88, apparently, for Land Before Time. Is that right, right Matt? Yeah. Well, I definitely remember seeing it when my sister went to see Batman, so... Probably had a long tail. So maybe... Um, I'm not even going to acknowledge that. 89 um, in the uh, UK. I, I think probably, yeah. Uh, you know, we always used to get stuff like almost a year later sometimes. Mm. Um, yeah, it's got something... It's, it's like... It's got something like 13 or 14 sequels. <laughs> like, I how, thought it had six or seven. No, it goes into the teens. <laughs> like they use um, they use like Roman numerals, and I just know that it's fucking crazy. They do deteriorate. I mean, I like I've seen any of them. I've seen the first one, the original and best. But yeah. uh, you know, you're just flogging a dead dinosaur. Um, so I watched the Tom and Jerry movie, 1992. So, so in context, there's other stuff going around. Fucking hell! Like Tom and Jerry were a thing, you know. That they they used to win those. The I mean, back in the day. And by back in the day, I mean the 40s and 50s. I'm <laughs> sure they used to get like Oscars. If not Oscars, they got nominated for Oscars. Yeah, probably. Like... Shorts, right? And the, yeah, and the animation in them is just is, is beautiful and slick. Uh, yeah, sure, they're racist. But, you know, if you can overlook that for good storytelling, then why not? Um, but, um, uh, but, but... Early Hanna-Barbera as well, right? That's Ooh. what... Uh... So Hanna-Barbera, uh, they sort of like revolutionised the, the art in uh, repeating your backgrounds. Right. So everything was kind of like uh, hand-drawn and um, uh, intricately done cell by cell and painted and like all these different departments. And Hanna-Barbera were just like, right, we're going to put it. They kind of like went, we're going to do animation, but we're going to do it on TV. And then they managed, with the Flintstones, they managed to work out a way to do it dirt cheap. So they reused loads of uh, animation and they reused the background. There was that joke. But apparently one of the jokes that was cut out of the Flintstones movie in 1993, part of the dinosaur craze, was um, they wanted to build like 13 identical living room sets on a soundstage (laughs) and they were going to run all the way through them. That'd be nice. That was sort of like, but then you just like go, how how much money are you actually going to spend on this thing? Do you know what I mean? Um, I didn't realise in that, making a little aside, to two Flintstones asides. I mean, one, this is an aside to an aside to an aside. <laughs> sure, we're going to bring it back. Yeah, we're going to bring it back. Uh, we always do. Um, <laughs> so, one, Flintstones was, was broadcast as like a primetime cartoon, yeah. like The Simpsons was. So it was very much like The Simpsons of its day and would go out on primetime American TV. It wasn't like a kid's show. It was sort well, of a show for, like, adults. It was meant to be an animated version of The Honeymooners. Yeah. To the point where the people that made The Honeymooners... Who was the star of The Honeymooners? It was Jackie the, Gleason on it? Jackie Gleason. Jackie Gleason was going to sue the Flintstones. <laughs> oh, really? Um, uh, because it was such a rip-off of The Honeymooners that it was just like, you can't... I mean, that's, that's my show. They animate And then... It got to a point he said, I don't want to be the guy that sues Fred Flintstone. So they didn't. So <laughs> I think Flintstones as well was the first 
the first TV show in the States where Fred and Wilma were in bed together, seemed to be in bed together. I yeah. think it was a cartoon. It wasn't seen as it's controversial. The first, it was the first uh, cartoon. When was it? In the 60s? 50s? Yeah, 60s. It was, the, it was the first cum shot on, uh, on, <laughs> on, on, on TV. <laughs> it's all right, it was a cartoon. It was the first animated anal scene hmm. uh, anywhere. Um, Which I think is probably why I, then they, they didn't they put it out prime time and not not in the kids slot. Yeah, well, so there's been a bit of responsibility. Don't want to put it in the kids slot, mate. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's what that's what AD stood for. It was anal <laughs> anal dinosaur. Um, <laughs> and they changed the name to the Flintstones afterwards because it didn't test well. Well, it's originally called the Fuckstones, but Wilma. <laughs> <laughs> And she'd be like, I'm right here. Do you have to shout in my face every time? Uh, or I suppose it'd be shouting in the back of her head. Anyway. I didn't realise how big. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the Flintstones film, I sort of think of it as being a bit of a flop, but it made tonnes of money. I didn't know that. Um, I went to, do you know what? I didn't have any friends at school. I went to see that by myself. Can you imagine going to see the Flintstones by yourself? <laughs> Oh my God, ticket, one for the Flintstones, please. And then I went off to the comic shop afterwards. Um, I think it was about the same time, I mean, you can say, it was about the same time as the uh, Star Wars Renaissance, when, um, when uh, they started bringing out Tops cards and stuff like that, because there was nothing Star Warsy in the early 90s. Uh, yeah. late 80s and then they started doing stuff as the build up towards oh he's going to do some special editions and he's going to do some sequels so you better get people like interested in Star Wars and stuff like that anyway so Flintstones movie yeah it's just you just knew at the time it was shit right mm. yeah it didn't feel like a good movie yabba dabba don't that's what <laughs> that's what they uh, that's what they were saying wasn't it the original plan was to get Sharon Stone in it to play the character Sharon to play Stone. Sharon Stone, yeah, which would have been great. And they yeah. couldn't get her, so they got Halle Berry. And what do they call her? Sharon Stone. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't they, make any sense. They should have, I mean, what? what um, Sh- Sh- Shaley Berry. <laughs> you know, because they worked at a gravel pit, didn't they? Yeah. With a shale and stuff like that. But as soon as she said no, they should just go, oh, let's drop that bit then. Just give her a different name. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's lucky that they managed to get Steven Spielrock to produce it. <laughs> it was awful. Um, yeah, it was really... Anyway, I saw the Tom and Jerry uh, yeah, movie. Yeah. 1992. So there was, there was Disney films. So Little Mermaid had come out. All Dogs Go to Heaven and all that had come out. The quality of the animation in those films is excellent. This is Hanna-Barbera. It's an actual, legitimate, established animation house. The animation is so bad, right? It's just, it's just, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing how bad the animation is, right? Um, and like, you're watching it, and like, fucking ten minutes into it, um, a, a dog comes out uh, called Patchy Patches, and everyone I posted about it on Twitter, and everyone was like, going, "Oh my god, they poochie uh, Tom and Jerry," you know, like Poochie from Itchy and Scratchy. And uh, this Patches dog comes up and he says, hey, I'm Patches. And then uh, Tom and Jerry, Tom goes, I'm Tom. And Jerry goes, and I'm Jerry. Right? And then they look at each other and they go, you can talk. And then they talk for the rest of the fucking film. And 
fucking Tom sounds like uh, Peter Griffin out of Family Guy, and uh, uh, Jerry is kind of like voiced by I don't know. I'm assuming a woman in her forties, but it's uh, it's it's it, but it was it was just awful. And then they sing, and the first song is it the first song? Well, the first song comes twenty minutes in, and then it's almost like we haven't had any songs for twenty minutes, so we better just. And the film's only an hour and twenty minutes, so they just like just put song after song after song that are just sort of like. They're all sort of like average, but the animation to back it up is just pathetic. It's, it was just, it was just absolute shit. But like proper shit. You just like go, how, how do you have the nerve to even release this? And aren't you embarrassed for yourselves? And then uh, could we talk about this show? And uh, and then it's just like um, the the first song that they sing is about how because um, they they're homeless because they're, uh, Tom's owner moves and because he it's almost like a plot it's almost like the last the whole plot is like the last uh, 10 minutes from Toy Story 1 right you know where Woody and Buzz are fighting and they miss the lift to the next place and now Tom and Jerry are sort of like abandoned and then the dog basically says to them you two you can't fight you need each other you've got to be friends so they sing a song about how they're going to be best friends that's the whole point of it that's they the whole spend, point for Tom and Jerry. They spend the rest of the film not fighting with each other. Oh, God. And talking and singing about being friends and helping an orphan girl. And it's just like, if you... On on day one, someone says, I'm thinking about we should do maybe a Tom and Jerry movie. And someone goes, yeah, sure, that's a good idea. What, what ideas have we got for plot? Well, um, they're going to have to talk and they're going to have to sing and they probably can't fight for the whole time. So they'll probably have to be best friends. And you go, do you know what? Let's not bother then. If that's the best idea we've got, let's not bother. But they didn't really bother because the actual film is so appalling. Oh no, my it's a straight to video Tom and Jerry movie from a couple of years ago where Tom and Jerry are in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah, right. And it's the it's the it's drawn to be like the Gene Wilder version of it. Yeah. That yeah. came out long after the Johnny Depp one and everything and right. they're just sort of in the background and all the drawings are sort of poorly animated versions of the the characters from the Gene Wilder version and they're just there also sort of just like messing about in shot yeah just what a bizarre film it's and awful. whose idea was that like why why was that anyone's good idea but it was like when they stopped, when, I mean, everyone stopped caring after a certain while. So you have like, uh, Muppets Christmas, you had like, the original cycle of Muppets films. Mm-hmm. And then they started doing like, well, we'll cast the Muppets as famous people. And, um, uh, you know, as famous characters from literature. So they did Muppets Christmas Carol, which I think is great. I hated Muppets Treasure Island at the time in the cinema. And I just feel like the the, the actors take such a, lead role and I um the the Muppets are so far in the background like because they stuck true to the book like Kermit's not in it that much yeah you know, well that's what we're here for isn't it yeah he's the captain of the ship you know and uh, so I I'm not a fan of that and then um Muppets in space Muppets in space Muppets from space from space uh I watched that I, I didn't I didn't bother watching that at the time when it came out it looked shit and uh and I watched it recently it's really good like it's really good it's um, the tone of it is really funny. Uh, I'm not a huge into Muppets, but I, I, I 
I it's still... a lot more though that no, no one gets talked about because they made lots of kind of when Disney had it originally, they made lots of kind of I guess there were TV yeah. movies. Then they did Muppets Wizard of Oz. Yeah, Muppets Wizard of Oz. And that is shit. That is so <laughs> fucking shit. And you just like go, you know that if you actually uh, made an effort, you could have released this. Yeah. As a theatrical film, and it could have been great, but there's just no love attached to it. And yeah, Muppets, Muppets. There's Muppets. It's a Wonderful Life. No, there is. I've got it. Got what, it. Kermit gonna throw. Kermit's gonna <laughs> kill himself. How dark is that? That's fucking. <laughs> About as dark as It's a Wonderful Life is. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, which everyone is thinks fucking... isn't dark. <laughs> I remember I had to go. I I watched It's a Wonderful Life before a shift at the pub but I had to leave 20 minutes before it ended. <laughs> and it was so depressing. It was just like the longest shift where you're just like, oh, everything's really shit. Um, <laughs> it's only like the five minutes at the end where it all picks up again. Yeah, right. No. It's not even yeah, five that, minutes. That's all you it's, get. It's probably like, it's probably like three, two or three minutes at the end of something that's a bit like, oh, it's all worth it, but you have to go through. It's like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. You know, if you... Uh, if you had to switch the Shawshank Redemption off just after we went uh, to the laundry with the, with the sisters, and it's like, the, oh, end. <laughs> the end, you go, oh no, yeah, fucking hell. Anyway, so that's what I've not been a fan of is Tom and Jerry the movie. Um, what about you? What have you been a fan of? Uh, I watched all of the Hammer Frankenstein movies. All of them. All of them, except for oh, Horror really? Frankenstein, which isn't really one of them because it hasn't got Peter Cushing in it. Although, having said that, they're not really... The first two are definite kind of sequels to one another, or definitely in the same thing. Then after that, even though they've all got Peter Cushing in, apart from Horror Frankenstein, and he always plays Frankenstein, there's, like, no continuity between them. Mm. They just... They go they go all over the shop after that. How many are there? Oh, about eight? Um, hang on, let me see. I've got more right there. Between which years? Oh, they do the whole gamut of Hammer. So they do 57 is the first one, and they go right to 74 is the last one. That's really interesting, um, because 56, 56. 57. I mean, we're not here, Natalie. 56? 57 is the first one. Write it on a piece of paper and held it up. Um, (laughs) um, I don't know what you're gesturing Oh, six films, you're saying. Um, But actually, there's not, there's... Curse of Frankenstein, 57. Revenge of Frankenstein, 58. Evil of Frankenstein, 64. Frankenstein Created Woman, 67. Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, 69. Horror Frankenstein, sort of part of it. And Frankenstein the Monster of Hell is 74. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven if you include Horror Frankenstein. Well, that's, I mean, so what's that? That's like about a 15... Yeah. 17 like, uh, year period? 14 year period, yeah. Um, but Universal was still making films up in the 50s. Yeah. So do you think it was called Curse of Frankenstein because they were kind of trying to cash in on the Universal films and sort of like pose it as a bit of a se- sequel? Well, not because they're, they're like, they're sort of like the opposite of the, the Universal ones at the beginning and they're not allowed to use any of the, Universal still have rights to all the kind of makeup and things. Sure. So they have to go against it. Sure, but um, when you're just looking at a poster and it says Curse of Frankenstein, at the time, you would buy a ticket and... It, oh, it's, yeah, probably. It's just, yeah, yeah there's probably been enough stuff that you would imagine. They were making Frankenstein. Was, I think at the point all those Universal ones were kind of parodying themselves, and this one was like, 
in colour, violent, especially violent for the time, with lots of kind of uh, full well, colour, blood and guts, yeah. And sex. They kind of came a bit later, but yeah. Don't, don't forget the sex, and um, there's lots of sex, and uh, but like, uh, but like, Wolfman was sort of like fifties. Um, yeah, yeah. Was it fifty one or fifty five? Um, yeah. So, um, and and then you also uh, around the seventies, you had like Count Yorga. Yeah. Who came along, and that's kind of like I. That's sort of like a Hammer film, but um, I think I. I've never, I mean, I know this is sacrilege, but I've never really got into Hammer. I've tried, but I've never really got into Hammer. Whereas something like Count Yorga, I really loved. And what did I watch recently that was sort of like a Hammer film? That, um, I probably haven't got it here. Oh, yeah, all of the, the Roger Cormans. Oh, yeah, yeah, they are really a lot like. So the Roger Corman, um, uh, Edgar Allan Poe films. I mean... They are just fucking incredible. But I think, I, and also, I just I went through. They got better in a way. Mm-hmm. Like I think, Mask of the Red Death was one of the later ones. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, and that is just such a beautiful, cool film. All of those Hammer movies were absolutely incredible. Uh, I'll tell you what, I watched. Have you ever seen Seance on a Wet Afternoon? No, I haven't. It is absolutely phenomenal oh really it is uh, i would probably not uh, I, won't, I won't be hyperbolic about it but it is definitely one of the best films ever made by anyone right do you know what it is one amazon it's always in my recommended thing at the bottom and i do think amazon are very good at choosing things for me yeah it's great um richard attenborough is in it uh, and it's got Nanette Newman in it, and it stars a woman called uh, Kim Stanley, who is a theatre actress, and um, uh, she didn't really make uh, any films after this. I think this was like her her, her main sort of like film, uh, and she was really difficult. She was method, and she was really difficult to work with on set. But she's incredible. It's just she's incredible in it. I. I've seen Richard Attenborough and stuff. Um, obviously, when you're like growing up uh, and you see him in Jurassic Park and uh, Miracle on 34th Street, and you're kind of like used to older Richard Attenborough as a kid, I never really sort of like knew him as a director until later on. Um, and obviously, he's in Great Escape and stuff like that. And you go, yeah, Richard Attenborough, but he's not one of the greats. You know, he has he had like a long career, but in terms of Actors, you know, you go with your Michael Caines and your Peter O'Toole's, you know. Richard Attenborough isn't really on that list, except for in Seance on a Wet Afternoon. He is absolutely stunning in this film. And if you haven't seen, if you haven't seen Seance on a Wet Afternoon, you haven't really seen uh, Richard Attenborough to the full of his ability. He's just incredible in it. What prompted you to get it? What was the thing that made you? It was called Seance on a Wet Afternoon, and I thought the title alone just made me think that looks good i'll yeah. give that a go it's black and white it's a black and white british film uh directed by brian forbes uh and uh and i was just like yeah i'll give I, I would absolutely the music was by john barry um and i was like i'll absolutely give that a little go and if if anything i'll put it on on a rainy sunday afternoon um afternoon and it will just you know and and it'll be on in the background or whatever and it's absolutely riveting. It's one of the most tense films I've ever seen. 
1964 it's made and it was yeah just absolutely yes yeah, so i don't really want to give much away but it's basically there's a there's a uh, like a living room medium um who comes up with a plan to kidnap a girl and then she'll use her psychic powers to sort of um find the girl and then, okay. she'll be, and then she'll become famous and Richard Attenborough plays her husband. I think it's Brian Forbes as well from, um, I think, a slightly earlier period with Attenborough, uh, one called uh, League of Gentlemen, which is, um, it's all people who are kind of above reproach. So they're all kind of quite high status people in the community, like judges and colonels and things who are very respected, right. who decide that they're going to do a robbery because right. they're sort of seen as being almost above the law and um no no, no no it's, and it's great yeah absolutely great i've not seen that but basically uh, i mean it's really interesting because it's like an independent film richard attenborough's career was really not going anywhere and so richard attenborough basically he produced it he bought the rights to a book i think it was based on a book he bought the rights to a book uh, and uh, he hired uh, the writer and then they wrote this script oh i think it was written by um was it written by him? I think it was written by Brian Forbes as well. Um, based on the novel by Mark McShane. Uh, no, I can't see. Yeah, written for the screen by Brian Forbes. So basically him, Richard Attenborough and Brian Forbes were a team, a power couple, who uh, Richard would sort of like find the um, material and then he'd hand it over to Brian. Brian would write it and then he'd write and direct and Richard Attenborough would produce and star in. And basically it was like, it's just this really, it's, it's, it's weird because um, it's like what I was saying about um, uh, Gaslight, that original, the 1940 Gaslight, which is just, it's so tense that it's just, it feels, because when you watch older films, you sort of like change gears in your head a little bit sometimes and go, you make allowance for the pacing uh, and for kind of like, um, the quaintness of it sometimes and and i can i can enjoy any film like that if it's good you know uh, but sometimes when you see like a film like the original gaslight because the second one the, the the remake of gaslight sort of falls into sort of like the melodrama i mean it is a melodrama but the second one falls into the traps of actually being quite a dull melodrama in places whereas the original gaslight is so tense and with this one samson all wet afternoon it's so black and white it's so tense that it just it transports you to then and it's and and because of that it just feels incredibly modern um i just loved it i just loved it it was um yeah so i really if you've been meaning to watch it i really recommend that yeah well no, it just keeps popping up as being recommended for me but i didn't know anything about it but you've absolutely convinced me i really want so, to see it. it it's so good but literally chuck your phone away and just concentrate on it and uh, turn the volume up. I don't um, want to chuck my phone away, it seems extreme. Just put it in the fucking bin <laughs> and then cost, take it out cost a lot of money. into the street. Yeah, but do you know what? You'll thank me. It's money well spent <laughs> because it'll give you it'll give you an experience that you will forget until you see the DVD on a stack of DVDs that you watched three weeks ago and then you'll remember it. <laughs> and then you'll tell me about it. <laughs> and you can't put a price on that, can you, Nat? I, I suppose not, no. no. So, 
put your put your phone in the bin <laughs> and then just just to make sure that you don't fish it out again do a little piss on it so <laughs> I, think I, reckon, I reckon if i did a little piss on it i'd still take it out of the bin and try and put some rice on it not the piss i'm not an animal um <laughs> Imagine that, just fishing the piss out of the bin and leaving the phone, and then putting rice in. Yeah, mm. actually, I'm. It's weird, isn't it, that I've suddenly become hungry? Yeah, mm. I mean, we're in quarantine, and, and food yeah. is. is, <laughs> is a... <laughs> Do you think if your piss was hot enough, you could actually cook the rice? I don't know. They should try and do that on a tomorrow's world. <laughs> I'll do it today. Actually, I think I'll do it later. It's an experiment, isn't it? Science. Um, have you got a yeah. science program on football? No. You have now. You have now. There we uh, go. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah. Anyway, so that's what I. Th- I thought it was just. It was just really, really great, and I loved it. And, uh, and oh, that was it. Um, I saw Spasmo. Oh yeah, I've not seen that. It's fine. <laughs> Spasmo is uh, Spasmo. I saw a film called Spasmo. It's. Um, it's a one watch. Um, it's an Italian cello, like most of them. It's an Italian cello. It's got this, uh, who is it? I think her name's Susie Kendall. And she is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She's in um, uh, Bird with Crystal Plumage, I think, right? Is that is Susie Kendall? Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. She's absolutely stunning. Just, just, oh, look, my Siri just, uh, how do I activate Siri? Hey, Can you look up Spasmo? Okay, searching for Speller on the App Store. Nah, it's yeah. rubbish, isn't it? It's rubbish. It's rubbish. No, it's work. rubbish technology. That's what happens when you piss on your phone, mate. Um, so, uh, Siri's got piss in her ears. Uh, not for the first time. So lonely. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Spasmo is this Italian giallo film. It's, it's, it's good, but it, like you say, like most of these giallos, they are one watches normally. Uh, I have but, this week actually watched A Blade in the Dark, which is my second watch. It's very good. Um, like yeah, that. I've got that on DVD. Is that the one? Is that quite modern? Yes, it's really like eighties. Yeah, eighties, and it, uh, it's got um, it's got a nice front cover, and I think I've started. It, does it start with a ball bouncing down some stairs? Yes, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've started it like five times. I've never got through it, but oh, well, I was. I was sort of thinking about it because um, apparently it's one of those ones, the girl with the ball is based on the one in um, Mario Bava's Kill Baby Kill. Which is fucking incredible. Yeah. That's the, that's the period one, right? Yeah, yeah. That again Kill, is like a sort of hammer, but done like incredibly. Kill Baby Kill, it's like a hammer on acid. It's, <laughs> um, it's, it's so vivid. It's so Yes, I can it. All the colours are so vivid. I mean, it's like a Roger Corbin, really. Yeah. It's, um, it's uh, I mean, fucking hell. Yeah, Kill Baby Kill. If you're listening and uh, you want to watch, uh, um, if you're listening, please send, send, send love. Um, if you're listening, send Kill Baby Kill. Gothic horror. Gothic if, if you, if you've, if you're interested in getting into sort of like, or if, you've, if you're a Hammer fan and you've watched all the Hammer films, or if you're a Universal Monster film, uh, but you can't get into Hammer, like me, I would say Kill Baby Kill is kind of, uh, it's like a good sort of like bridge. And also all the Roger Corman, Vincent Price films, they're just, uh, they're, I mean, but, um, but Italian giallos, I just find, 
I mean, they are what they are. They're called giallos because of the, like Pulp Fiction. Mm. It's called Pulp Fiction because the paper that the stories were written on were pulpy. Uh, novels, pulp, pulp novels. Cheap, cheap, cheap pulp cheap paper. paper. And the giallos, giallo is uh, yellow in Italian. We've talked about this before, but you know, if you don't want to go back and listen to all the episodes. Um, and so they were based on a disposable, trashy uh, airport novels that you pick up and you read on holiday or you read on the beach. And then, and, um, uh, and that's exactly what the films are. They're really disposable. Um, and the other thing about them was that, uh, that, that they would sort of like release them like really regularly. I mean, the connections to the spaghetti westerns we've gone over, but they were basically spaghetti thrillers. And um, the same way of doing it, they'd sort of like have uh, uh, Italian crews and then they would cast sort of like one international name and then everyone else would be European and everyone would speak their own language and then they would dub it all. And what would happen was they would put loads of sex and loads of extreme violence in the films because they would release them at the cinema and it would be the one time a week where the whole town or the whole village, they'd all go to the cinema and it would be like their social outing and they would talk over the entire film, right? And they would just talk normal volume and then every so often there'd be like this horrific murder. Everyone would shut up, watch the murder and then they'd go back to their conversations or there'd be like this sex scene and everyone would stop, watch the sex scene and then they'd go back to their conversation. So the reason it's... It'd be like seeing, seeing like a cult film at the Prince Charles cinema, but where occasionally they would stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and, but the thing is, it's sort of like, oh, now that you can get them on Blu-rays and, uh, and they've kind of, they have loads of extras and they're given like this uh, prestige treatment. It's kind of elevating it to a status that they don't, that they were never really meant to have. No. Um, I think that's it. I think amongst that, like like every genre or subgenre, amongst that, there's usually five or six that are just absolute stone cold classics up against any other film. Yeah. But most of them, yeah, are, are kind of like, they're totally fine, one watches, and they're like, um, you know, that's what they are, totally disposable. You enjoy it, you might never think about them again. But we so Spasmo. I, I started watching Spasmo, and it and I thought it was maybe the film that me and you went to see, that we were just we were talking about. Yeah, yeah, we were just talking about. So what was that film called? I think it's called One on Top of the Other. And, it, and, was, uh, oh. and it was. Did Edgar Wright introduce it, or was he just in the cinema? Oh, I think he was just there. I think yeah, I think he was right. just there. But there was some sort of intro, right? Someone gave it. Yeah, intro. yeah. Um, I, I just, I just love it. But anyway, it, what I wanted to say was it about the, when we went to the pub beforehand. Yes. And uh, and we went to how many years ago? It was four years ago. Because, four years ago. Yeah. Um, so we went to the pub, um, and uh, was it before or after? I think it was before. And we were I think waiting. It was before. We went to the Barbican. We went to the screen over the road from the Barbican, which is weird because that's where we also went to see Deep Red as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And we saw that in the main house in the barbecue. In the main house. And which is, I think, the best cinematic experience I've ever had. And, um, uh, but so we went, <laughs> we went to the pub and I was on a diet at the time. So I was only, I wasn't eating carbs. And uh, now that went to the bar and it was a really busy bar and it was really noisy. And he was like 30 feet away on the other side of the bar. And he looked at me and he was just like, he minds, do you want a snack? 
<laughs> he said, do you want a snack? Like, he mimed it. And I mimed back, yes, jerky. <laughs> and Nat sort of like repeated it back to me. And I was just like, yes, jerky, jerky. And he went away. And then when he came back, he had two packets of crisps. And I was like, hey, what's this? And uh, he'd only gone and bloody bought turkey flavoured crisps. And you go, it was, it was May. What were they doing selling turkey flavoured crisps? What was actually happening in my mind was, I was trying to go, do you want some crisps? And you mouthed to me what sounded like turkey. And I pulled a face as if to go, they won't have turkey flavoured crisps. <laughs> and then weirdly, I looked at the selection of crisps and one of them was turkey. And I went, oh no, fair enough. Nick must have been there before. He knows, he knows that it's the one pub in May in the whole of London that sells turkey flavoured crisps. Oh, I mean, it's not a great anecdote, but, but it's one I've remembered for four it's years. Him. I think it's, it's about so it funny. I think, uh, it's just the mouthing of jerky to me and going almost like, no. And then seeing him and do that like, thumbs up like, oh yeah, no, I got them. I got them, don't worry, I got them. Um, yeah, really funny. I remember that, uh, uh, I think... Was it maybe it was before Macfest? I remember I went on stage several times and I told that story and no one got on board. <laughs> but the great thing about a podcast is you don't get instant feedback. Yeah. So we can just talk about wherever we like. Um it's probably time for a song, right? Yeah. Yes. So uh uh we're playing um Alice Keeper. It's what it's off a fucking terrible album. It's either off Rachel Fist and Yell or it's off um, Constrictor. Yeah, it's, it, those two albums are interchangeable for me on how, I mean, they're awful. Uh, there it is! Nick Helm and Nathaniel Metcalf's fan club on Fubar Radio. Oh, we're back! Here we are in the house. Uh, literally. Um, uh, we've we've basically gone through so many Alice Cooper songs now. We're playing not not the hits. I'm saving a couple back, but yeah, there's sort of like uh, Teenage Frankenstein is off Constrictor, I think. Uh, but there's very little on Raise Your Fist. In, you and know. also, there's not much fun in playing all the big hits either, is there? Um, well, I've deliberately, a... which is weird actually, because uh, I've got this. I've literally got a pin badge right here of yeah. uh, of Constrictor and I think I also have a pin badge for Rage Your Fist and Yell from there but none of his other albums um, yeah fucking hell I mean oh yeah I've got schools out there as well um, I mean I do love him and I am sort of like uh, we are getting to a point where I am now having to pick a dud every other week and sort of like eke out the last really good ones but how long have we been going? How many episodes have we done? 80-something, isn't it? I mean, it's not 90 now. If you can do 30 albums with at least 10 tracks on per album, and then, well, I think eight were on the first few, and then get, get to the point where you've got 80 good songs on there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, he, he couldn't, he's not embarrassed. He's not embarrassed no. himself. Although, you know... He was weeding himself off crack when he made those two albums, so you can forgive him. Um, it was just before trash. Anyway, so uh, should we do some fan mail? How do we do yeah. this? Oh, I've got the chat. To go back up to the top of the chat, right? 
Oh, right, yeah. Oh, do you know what? I'm going to get it off full screen and then I can read the pen now. Are you playing? Are you going to play the music in, yeah? Yeah, we'll do okay. that. So, playing the music in in post. That's what we call it in the industry now. <laughs> Dear Nick and Nat, my mum Gillian is a huge fan of the show and I would love for you to give her a shout out. She has been a gem and has put up with me while we self-isolate together. Or you could just call her a massive cunt. Up to you. Cheers, Caitlin. Well, Gillian, you've been a real brick and a cunt. So, happy lockdown. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. People are like, oh, you swear a lot. People, people write in to be insulted. It's weird. What's it like? It's like uh, in The Running Man, when uh, uh, all of the, the contestants are turning up at the thing, and um, Buzzsaw punches someone in the face, doesn't he? And someone goes, he punched me! He punched me! Buzzsaw punched me! Like, it's like a thing. So it's exactly like that, really. Um, uh, dear, in a way, you're all cats. Dear Nick and Nat, hope you're both happy and healthy. <laughs> you were looking for some recommendations, etc., in your tweets. I'm self-isolating at the moment. Yeah, we all are. So I've got... Well, we're not all, are we? Naughty yeah. people. Mm. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely terrible. Fucking hell. Oh, fucking hell. I think I caught COVID off a teenager I was fingering in the park the other day, actually. It was terrible. Dear <laughs> <laughs> Nick and that. Hope you're both happy and healthy. You were looking for some recommendations entry in your tweets. I'm self-isolating at the moment, so I've got some time. You'll never get this level of detail from me again once I'm back on the front lines of pick and choose. If there's anything in here that's worth discussing. Currently loving the film classics in the morning. This is Karen, isn't it? Yeah. Currently loving the film classics in the morning. Saw Gaslight. And have the other one on order. Yeah, I mean, you saw the 1944 version, which is absolutely fine. It's it's good, but there happens to be a much better version. And the lady from Shanghai, never seen it, but that is produced by, do you know who it's produced by? William Castle. William Castle. Did you read that book I got you? Yeah. It's good book, I've also got Lady from Shanghai. Oh, I, I, right. Well, maybe I'll watch that later. I won't borrow it off you. You know what? But... I thought it was all, like, it's obviously one of those things that people say, what an absolute classic it is. I was a bit, it's all right. Oh, really? Yeah. Orson, Orson Welles wrote it, starred in it, directed it. Yeah. But basically, William Castle really wanted to direct it. Was his it. book. He, he, he basically um, got the rights to the book and was trying to get it made to make like a proper movie. And I, mean, I think he spoke to Orson Welles about it and said like, I've basically got this amazing film. Would you produce it for me? And Orson Welles read it and he went, yeah, not only that, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> He was, because uh, they were part of the same repertory, how do you say that word? Repertory? Repet- repertory theatre company when they first started out, weren't they? Yeah. Um, and it's a shame, William Castle got stiffed like over and over again, where, yeah. you know, he had to keep making these schlocky films, but he really, is, and not about, like, he's very much kind of like, he was like the bargain basement Alfred Hitchcock, but yeah. he was also like, almost an equal to Roger Corman. Yeah. Whereas Roger Coleman was just cutting corners and trying to make the cheapest product possible, William Castle would be kind of like, right, uh, how many gimmicks can we fit into this so that we can sell it, sell tickets, you know, sell a, 
mediocre product in kind of like um, in a big theatre opening weekend before people find out that it's shit. But William Carson. The same thing it. happened with Roseman's Baby, right? He had the right yeah. to that and was going to make And Roman Polanski came along and said, I'm going to direct it. William Carson was like, I would really like to fucking trust. And then he gave it over. And then obviously it won Oscars. But he's got a cameo in it. Yeah, he's he? got a cameo in it. And I think yeah. he's exec producer or he's producer or something again on that. Oh, yeah. He, yeah, he, it's his thing. It's a William Castle production, which is weird because he was also doing The Tingler and 13 Ghosts and House on Haunted Hill, and all this other stuff. And they're, like, really schlocky stuff. And then he made this Oscar-winning, yeah. uh, like, um, uh, uh, a prestigious sort of movie that was starring Mia Farrow. That would be the end of his Ed Wood movie, wouldn't it? That would be the bit where he actually does get to make an Oscar movie. Yeah, he finally he finally got to do it, but he wasn't allowed to direct it. But, yeah, so he also worked with uh, Orson Welles, Lady in Shanghai. I've never seen it, but um, but that book is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. Because he is just so, I found it laugh out loud funny. And also he's just incredibly likeable. And also because he was like into like, into, he made schlocky movies. Um, uh, the book is like bookended by the fact that he's written it from beyond the grave. Yes. Because it came out after <laughs> he died. And so the end is, I'm dead now. But thank you for reading my book. And it's kind of like, and you kind of like think, oh, he would have liked that. Um, it's called, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna scare the pants off America. Yeah, it's, it's a great title so, for a book. It, it, I mean, it's such a good, it's such a good book, and he's so like, you read books by comedians that aren't funny. Mm. You know, this is sort of like he's just this really funny, down to earth. Uh, and again, he's, he's one of them people that. When you watch any of the documentaries about him, everyone's just saying, hey, "Oh, he's lovely. Yeah, he's great. He's like comes, such a great guy to hang out with." Comes across as nice, uh, but I've always really liked Roger Corman as well. You know, it's kind of like—I mean, he, is he still around? He's still around, isn't he? Corman, yeah. Yeah. It was his birthday the other day, I think. Um, yeah, wasn't it? Didn't I retweet that even? Maybe. I'm, I'm watching. I tell you what, I saw that's on Netflix. Um, is uh, Humanoids from the Deep. That is a fucking brilliant film made in 1980. It's a Roger Corman. He didn't direct it, he produced it. But it's a Roger Corman one. And it's got this really cool um, front cover, this really cool um, poster on Netflix. And it is just, it's fuck. It's like got everything. It's got mm-hmm. gore and uh, violence and nudity and it's quirky and it's just exactly what you want from like one of those B pictures. It's, yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. Anyway, um, Corman uh, is 94, according to Natalie. Just fucking so hell, fucking hell. I mean, I love him. Um, Lady from Shanghai. Uh, love the scene near the end, but I don't know whether you've seen it yet, Nick, so I won't spoil it. Yes, I haven't seen it. We'll do one more and then we'll go. We're running out of time now, aren't we? Yeah, Getting to the end of the show, guys. Uh, uh, thanks for tuning in. We've got one more piece of fan mail. Keep your fan mail coming in. Uh, we love reading them, and uh, and it's nice to know during these times that uh, that, that anyone uh, listens. That anyone listens. I mean, there's literally no excuse now. Uh, once you've listened to all the other podcasts, you've always got us. <laughs> um, but yeah, hope you're all well and staying safe. So. Or, oh, this is a continuation from the last email, right? Okay. Also saw the man who knew too much, Hitchcock. Didn't he do two of them? Or was that thirty-nine? Did two of them. One of them. The second one was James Stewart and Doris Day. That's right. Uh, where the song "Que Sera Sera" comes from. That's right. Uh, but was a little bit underwhelmed by it. Yeah, I don't think it's a very good one. I think oh. it's brilliant. I love it. It's one um, of my favourites. We're going to have to agree to disagree on that one, and unfortunately, I 
uh, have the power to dismiss your opinion. I, it's a terrible one, guys. Never watch it. <laughs> nah, it's all right. I haven't seen it in ages, but it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not Vertigo. And it's not my favourite. Is North by Northwest. But, yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah. So, but underwhelmed. Uh, not sure why, as the cast are great. I know there's a story that he owes the studio a film, so he remade the 1934 one. Yeah, that sounds about right. I am on the hunt for that one. It's out. I've got it. Also it's enjoying out on Blu-ray the... from Network, I think. Uh, good. Also enjoying the Ealing comedies that are on BBC Two in the afternoons this week, and then on iPlayer. Whiskey Galore is was on Thursday, and I enjoyed that when I saw it at the Ipswich Film Theatre. Also to download from Sky Arts, there's a super documentary on Buster Keaton. Yeah, I love Buster Keaton as well. Yeah, I think there's a new one out. It might be that one, The Great Buster. Uh, you know about uh, Buster Keaton? No. His real name was obviously not Buster Keaton. Uh, we can't see. You need to hold that a bit lower. She's saying better or worse. Yeah, Do yeah. that in a minute. Um, I'll tell you this story first. Uh, don't interrupt my flow, Natalie. Now I've got to build myself up to a head of steam again. Well, his name wasn't really Buster. I can't remember. Love you. Uh, his name wasn't really uh, Buster. So they used to throw it. What they did was they stitched a, um, uh, a suitcase handle on his back and they used to throw him around in the circus. Uh, the Buster, fa the, the Keaton family, used to throw him around in the circus. And, uh, and so they said, what a little Buster. So that wasn't his real name. And so <laughs> the story is that when um, Diane Keaton uh, needed to change her name. Uh, she was just like, oh, well, I'm a big fan of Buster Keaton, so I'm going to change my name from Diane whatever it was to Diane Keaton. And then when Michael, Michael Douglas... <laughs> when Michael Douglas had to change his name because there was already a Michael Douglas, he was just like, well, I'm a big fan of Diane Keaton, so I'm going to change my name to Michael Keaton. And so there's like this tradition of people that need to change their names because they were fans of, you know, once Keaton. removed. It's like a copy of a copy of yeah. a copy. Yeah. Anyway, we could, uh, fan club first exclusive. We'll see how this goes. We're going to play better or worse. Nat is going to play better or worse with me, and we'll see how I do. And we're going to do it with each other. Can you explain to me the rules? Uh, well, what it is, Nick, it's better or worse, and you have to decide whether the next person is better or worse than the person before, based entirely on my opinion. Do you understand that? I am. Beginning with Stephen Fry. Stephen Fry is your first name, but Steve Guttenberg, better or worse than Stephen Fry? Worse. Worse. I think he is, yeah. Ted They're both very high cards. High cards. High cards. Ted Danson, better or worse than Steve Guttenberg? Better. Yeah, he is better. Tom Selleck, better or worse than Ted Danson? Worse. Worse, yeah. Tom Hiddleston, better or worse than Tom Selleck? Worse. Worse. Tom Holland, better or worse than Tom Hiddleston? Uh, better. Better, yeah. Tom Hardy, better or worse than Tom Holland? Better. Better. Tom Cruise, better or worse than Tom Hardy? Better. Better. Leonardo DiCaprio, better or worse than Tom Cruise? Better. Worse. Oh! But Helen Mirren, better or worse than Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, better. Better. Helen Hunt. Better or worse than Helen Mirren? Worse. Worse. Nine!
And I, but it's so close. And do you know what? I I knew that you were going to go with Cruz on that, but I think I just enjoy Leonardo DiCaprio. I like him. It's a high card, Nick. It's a That's really high card. I got nine out of ten, though. Am I like in the top? I'm, I'm, yeah, you'll probably, you'll be at the top. I'll be right at the top. Uh, I could have been the first ten ten out of ten, though, couldn't I? You could have been um, the first ten out of ten for this year. That's a shame. Uh, that's a shame. Right, well, good. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Lovely to talk. Out. Lovely to talk to you, Nat. Lovely to talk to you, Natalie. Um, I'm going to play out with Diabolic Part 4 from Mario Barbers, Danger Diabolic. See you all very soon, or hear you all, or you'll hear us. Goodbye. You've been listening to a FUBAR Radio podcast. For more information, go to FUBARradio.com.